Welcome back to another episode of the Summits Podcast. Once again, here in West Lafayette, Indiana, home of the Purdue Boilermakers. You're welcome, and you're welcome. <laughs> Boiler up. Um, today's guest is my former neighbor, Mr. Ethan Braden. Um, interesting little tidbit. Recently promoted here at Purdue to EVP and Chief Marketing Officer for Purdue and Purdue University Global. Ethan, welcome to the Summit's podcast. Thank nice you. For Thanks for being up here. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime I can come up here, I'm happy to do so. Perfect. He was <laughs> he was kicking and screaming. We had to we had a hog time, throw him in the back of the truck to get him up. Oh here. really? Yeah. Oh, I was, came willingly. Yeah. Whatever yeah. takes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't you give our our listeners and viewers a little background history on yourself, where you, where you grew up, and and we'll work on your way how you got to Purdue. Yeah, it's a lot of connecting of dots. Grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Had a great childhood there. Only child. Uh, went to school at Willamette University. A lot of people call it Willamette. It's Willamette, damn it, <laughs> up in Salem, Oregon, across the street from the state capitol there where I played football and studied economics and joined Beta Theta Pi there. And actually went to work for Beta for three years thereafter in Oxford, Ohio. So that brought me to the Midwest. Okay. Had a chance thereafter to go to Notre Dame for my MBA and then came down for 10 years to Lilly in a variety of sales and marketing roles for the U.S., for the emerging markets, and now Purdue. So along the way, met my wife. Uh, we've been married 11 years. We've got a five-year-old son and an almost two-year-old daughter. Nice. And we're awesome. living the Boilermaker life up here in West Lafayette. <laughs> when you were at Lilly, um, when did this opportunity or this conversation start? And what ultimately got you to yeah. decide to come up yeah, here? Yeah, it's a, it's a neat opportunity in that it was the same individual that brought me to Lilly in 06 that brought me up here in 18. Mm -hmm. So Dan Hassler, um, former global CMO at Lilly, brought me down in 06 as an intern. Okay. A member of Beta Theta Pi, so a great, comp, you know, great connection there. And then he retired in 2010 and immediately um, went to work essentially as the Secretary of Commerce for Mitch and the head of IADC for two years when, the, when Mitch's term there came up. And he came up here, he pulled Dan up to Purdue and he ran the Purdue Research Foundation for five or six years here, really building it to what it is today. Okay. And you see the expansion and the work that we're doing all over the place. Well, in 18, Dan was going to I think work on his third retirement, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and Mitch said, don't leave, run our 150th anniversary. And it was that point Dan said, I'll do it, but what you really need is a chief marketing officer. We really need to bring the place into more of a symphony, more of a harmony of our marketing communications efforts here. And so I'll do that. And what I'd love to do is hire my successor now. So he gave me a call and said, come up here, be my number two. Um, you'll love the quality of life. You'll love the challenge. And if you earn it, you'll move into my seat two years from then. 18 months later, COVID hit. Dan, you know, moved on to his cabin and all the things he loves about retirement. Yeah. And I slotted over into that seat, reporting to Mitch right off the bat from my couch for about three months at that point in time, which was a neat experience. But yeah. we came up here for the challenge. My wife's a boilermaker and uh, incredible quality of life, especially having a son who was very sick his first year. Um, that's, you know, neutralized and equalized us really, really well in a really positive way. Yeah. When uh, when COVID hit, and as everyone's tired of talking about it, but from a marketing aspect, that had been relatively challenging. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, challenging and also an opportunity to live our brand, right? We responded to COVID-19 and an ecosystem here of 60,000 people, mostly yeah. those under 22, I think in a very Purdue fashion, right? 
we went home for spring break and it was at that point in time that we didn't bring the students back in March of 2020. And by April 20th, actually, of 2020, Mitch announced to the world as really the first president of a large university yeah. that we'd be coming back in the fall and that we'd do it in a very pretty way. And so he challenged me and our team to essentially skin the campus and create a campaign that wasn't just about marketing frill, but actually changing, creating, and reinforcing the necessary attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors to operate an ecosystem of 60,000 people here during our first worldwide pandemic safely. Right. Protect the vulnerable, de-densify, but preserve and protect the residential education that we have. And it was an incredible opportunity to communicate and also do it in a very Purdue fashion. It was how we approached it was very Purdue. Yeah. Uh, there's no question, Purdue, uh, I mean, regardless of what affiliation I have in terms of where I went to school, um, if you live in the state of Indiana, you've seen a lot of news about Purdue over the last five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's mostly based around growth. Mm -hmm. It's pretty impressive, yeah. Yeah. I have to say. And listening to the two of you guys talk before we started the episode, yeah. uh, talking about you know, all your commonalities and, and different areas of the university, um, it, it, pretty exciting times up here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, since Mitch came here, we're up 30% on our students. Okay. We're up 20% in the last five years. Wow. And a story he told about a year ago when Wall Street Journal and Realtor.com ranked us the number six housing market for emerging housing markets in the nation, uh, I love. He said, you know, when he was governor, he made the comment that, that Indiana cannot run on one cylinder only, that being in, in Indianapolis. And with everything that we've seen here from economic development standpoint, from the public um, private partnerships, et cetera. I think West Lafayette now is, is Indiana's second cylinder. And so we refer to it as such when we're storytelling in that vein. Yeah. Right, yeah, I like it. Um, one interesting thing I noticed uh, when kind of preparing for this episode, um, aside from your marketing role, or this is, I guess, part of your marketing role, but with the whole NIL thing going yeah. on with student athletes right now, it's a, it's a very interesting time is probably the best way of putting it. Um, You've jumped into a, a teaching and or mentoring role yeah. uh, there, helping the student athletes here at Purdue with uh, NIL, NIL deals and how they operate and, and work with those. What can you share on that? I mean, that, to me personally, it sounds very interesting. Yeah, yeah it's a really neat opportunity. It came to me um, early last spring, which was the notion that athletics and Craner, the business school we're sitting in as we speak, yeah. um, we're going to partner towards a summer class on optimizing personal image and brand. Okay. And so it's four quarters or four pieces. I teach the personal branding component of it. And then there's a, there's a focus on social media, there's a focus on philanthropy, and there's a focus on financial planning. But I do the first 10 days or 12 days or whatever it is. With last year, about 25 athletes largely, okay. talking about personal brand and making sure that what they convey to the marketplace and to the fans and to the world in general is intentional and deliberate. Because you've got a brand one way or another, whether you like it or not. Right. It's whether or not you're being intentional and um, proactive and, and shaping it to the degree that you can. So we're working with them to make sure they're thinking about those fundamentals and those uh, basics from day one. Yeah. So we'll run that again this summer with another bunch of our student athletes. I may have to uh, sneak into that class and just yeah. be a fly on the wall. It's Watch fun. The back. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And obviously the landscape has changed so much in the last year. Right. In fact, I think we're dropping the philanthropy piece now um, and evolving based on a student need from what they've experienced over the last year. So it's gonna okay. be constantly evolving in what's a very it's, new space. It's all emerging, right? right? Yeah. You're still figuring out the footing on how yeah. that's all gonna play out, right? Yeah. yeah, every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. We, uh, as part of this visit, had spent some time with Dr. Lau, mm -hmm. 
um, from a, I guess, maybe a marketing perspective, um, what is it about the cancer research that's being done here at Purdue that um, you guys would certainly want the rest of the Hoosier State to know about? Uh, because it's clearly impacting not only those in Indiana, but those beyond, of course. Um, but I don't think it, that many people know about what all is being done here. Um, what kind of story would you want to tell about that? Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible place. And again, it's so Purdue. Okay, So we um, essentially rebranded or evolved the brand here at Purdue University two years ago. And the essence of it is Purdue University is about the persistent pursuit of innovation where people bring their best and learn to build a better world together. The Center for Cancer Research is a combination of researchers and faculty and others that span six colleges. I think they span 19 departments. And so they are the epitome of a group of individuals bringing their best to the collective effort to fight cancer. And they're doing it in a basic fashion, right? So there's 70 national institutes of cancer, national cancer institutes across the United States, but we're one of seven that's deemed for basic research, meaning you know, we're not treating patients, we're determining and studying the cancer and the modes mm -hmm. and the mechanisms to detect it and treat it and hopefully cure it. So I think the work that's being done here is, is critical to the life sciences industry that we have in the state, nationwide, globally as well. We've got 10 drugs in clinical trials right now with the partnerships that we see here in Discovery Park District and otherwise, you're seeing you know, companies spin out of it, you're seeing FDA-approved FDA agents spin out of it. So it's a, a major contribution for our university as well, R1, land grant, but without a medical school. Mm -hmm. So I think those are all the things I'd want folks to, to know and look really fondly up here to West Lafayette and Purdue when it comes to ultimately curing and beating cancer. Yeah. So with all that's being done here at yeah. Purdue, yeah. Um, there are obviously other major institutions in the state of Indiana also doing cancer yeah. research. And one, and I know this is easier said than done, but one thing that we try to look at or have been looking at and, and asking ourselves the question is how do we get, or to maybe to what extent are Purdue, IU, Notre Dame, any other institution in the state right. of Indiana that's, that's perhaps working on cancer um, therapies and, and various other forms of research, what kind of collaboration is happening yeah. or is there any collaboration yeah. happening? Yeah, I don't know that I'm, I'm terribly versed on the specifics, but what I can share is, you know, when it comes to Purdue and Indiana University, right, I want to beat you on the basketball court. <laughs> Hell, I want to beat you the, to the stoplight, right? But what I've seen, and I'll give you one example, in particular with our biomedical engineering, the partnership between that program and our college engineering and the IU School of Medicine is collaborative. Uh, it's a partnership, right? They <clears> want <throat> to beat things together. They want to improve lives together. In fact, there's a summit tomorrow which is the IU School of Medicine, Purdue Biomedical Engineering, and Riley, talking about the collaboration, the work that's taking place in particular for pediatrics. So I think when it comes to health, when it comes to cancer, when it comes to the things that are really facing the state and the nation and the globe, you know, you think back to the ad of Ronald McDonald and the Burger King holding hands. Right. We're gonna <laughs> hold hands with IU, Notre Dame, Marion, Butler, whomever it is, Ball State, doesn't matter. Um, if we can collectively contribute our expertise and partner with others, to make a big difference. So that collaboration is so, so key and so welcomed here at Purdue when it comes to those matters. Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, as we talked about before, cancer is the ultimate non-discriminatory disease. Totally. It doesn't care if you're a Boilermaker or Hoosier or Irish or Bulldog or whatever. Um, it affects us all, so yeah. that, that's great to hear. Yeah. yeah, thanks. And then, Ethan, with the uh, kind of the, the basis um, of the Summits podcast, yeah. what is your cancer story? Yeah, you know, I, you know, when we talked about it, everyone's got one, Sure. right? Um, family members that have had it, family members that have passed, 
uh, best friend in the world, called me at 27 with a real rare, real rare form of it. And that was probably the first time I'd seen um, his level of fight and resilience and persistence to beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, watching him in his, his hospital bed for a month. Um, family members that have since passed as recently as you know, a couple months ago on my wife's side as well. So it's, it's pervasive, it's everywhere. It, it, it doesn't discriminate, right? It bites yeah. anybody, everyone uh, at some point in some yeah. way. But I'll tell you, the, the one that was probably the most impactful that I think about is I, um, I give to, I participate, uh, I visited a, a camp for children with cancer. And I'll never forget it because we were essentially camp counselors in that regard. It was maybe 10 years ago. And it was an endeavor we did with, with Lily. But I had the younger group of kids. So there were some that were going out on more physical activities. They were on a creek stomp. Others were, I think, were doing bow and arrow, something of that nature. And we were tasked with the, the younger kids, I think they were five to seven, okay. to, make a, to make a movie. And we sat them down and we had the kids in the front row and we said, okay, what, what should this movie be about? And one little boy raised his hand. He said, I want to make it about ninjas. <laughs> okay, good answer, right? Another little boy you know, raised his hand. He said, I want to make it about dinosaurs. Okay, very good. I'll never forget it. Little six-year-old girl, bald, scar right across her head, raise her hand, faintly spoken, said, I want to make it about a kid with cancer. And we kind of looked at each other and said, well, that's pretty heavy. We looked back at her and said, tell me more. Why do you want to make a movie about a kid with cancer? And she said, I want to make a movie about a kid with cancer. And then I want to show it on the first day of school so I can convince my classmates that what I have is not contagious. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. Yeah. And I think we think about the cancer. Um, you know, for her, she wanted friends. She, sure, she wanted the cancer gone. I'm sure she wasn't feeling real, real tip-top shape that day. Right. But she wanted friends. And it was impacting her ability to have that too. So I think, you know, there's the principle, we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. But that one was a great reminder for me of, yeah, there's the cancer, but there's also the ripples and the waves of its impact. And for her, little six-year-old, she's supposed to have friends, and they're not supposed right. to be scared of her. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need to beat it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, what questions do you have for us? Any? <laughs> <laughs> Dare um, I ask? Yeah. Out there a, you go. A long <laughs> list. <laughs> How can we be most helpful? Whether that's Purdue or, or Boilermakers in general, your listeners. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks, there's a lot of orgs uh, aiming at it. With you all specifically, what kind of help do you need? Uh, it's a great question, great offer. Um, I think just keep doing what you guys are doing is the easy answer. Meaning, um, we were through the Catherine Peachy Fund aspect of the Heroes Foundation, very happy to make a gift last year, and I know we'll be making a, a, another gift this year. Um, and as part of that, as we look at the other institutions around the state, um, who are working to fight this disease. Um, we want to figure out how we can play a bigger role with each of them in, in, the way, in whatever way we can, um, as well as potentially trying to get them all to further work together, um, and I know it's easier said than done, um, and just collectively work on trying to fight this disease in the state of Indiana, and ultimately knowing that it's also going to have ripple effects beyond yeah. the Hoosier state. Yeah. Uh, but being focused on the state of Indiana is kind of where our, our niche is. 
Um, I think there's some other ways that, uh, that we can do that and be more successful in the fundraising that we're doing, which then in turn will help us to reinvest those dollars into research projects like what you guys mm -hmm. are doing here. Um, and you know, I think we have plenty of Boilermaker alumni who mm -hmm. are, are supporters of our, our, our entity and, um, and happy for that and just happy that you guys are doing what you guys are doing here. Cool. Yeah, I'd say just continue to like what we're doing here, just sharing stories mm -hmm. and sharing this message, sharing, I mean, what, what you just said has been something that's been driving you for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a story that can inspire others to get involved and figure out how they can help. But, um, you know, ha sharing the conversation and mm -hmm. being more open to talking about how can you help and how yeah. can others get involved. You know, it's awesome to be here at Purdue and seeing what's going on and yeah. um, talking with Dr. Lau was really, mm -hmm. and, you know, eye-opening to see the amount of research and impact that um, while there's no, you know, true medical facility here, the, the forced you know, collaboration that we talked about that, yeah. is, that is required and then what the, the ripple that that has in the community is pretty amazing yeah. to see. I think yeah. if we bring a, uh, an extension of the Fit for Heroes campaign up to West Lafayette. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. Do it yeah. at the Co-Rec. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. We'll talk about good. that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, well, we appreciate your time. Thank you yeah. for uh, being a part of this and uh, contributing to it. We, we appreciate it. I know oh, you're it's my pleasure. quite Thank busy. You. Thanks for giving me the chance. And thank you for not wearing the uh, Purdue Pete uh, mascot uniform. I was totally expecting that. Well, uh, next time. Yeah. Next time. All right. Perfect follow-up. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for listening and watching this episode of the Summits Podcast. Again, if you're on YouTube and you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do so, as well as the notification bell so you can be alerted when new episodes drop. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to beat cancer. Thanks. Thanks.